The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's like the calm before the storm right here, right? We're underway from the Glen. Denny Hamlin has a great start. Unbelievable racing at the start of this event. Trouble, trouble right in front of me. Joey Logano in the sand. Shrex Jr. keeps his winning ways going as he will win stage one. Chase Elliott gets another stage win. He will win stage two. It's different for these crews, and it's definitely dangerous. Starting to get aggressive now. The intensity ramping up. Chase Elliott's running for his life right now. Again, Martin Truex Jr., he is on the prowl. Pressure is building in Watkins Glen. Truex is out of fuel. Truex is out. The crowd roars. They're going to see for the first time Chase Elliott win the Monster Energy Cup Series. Welcome to NASCAR America, everybody, presented by Mobile One. Carolyn Mano with you. We will get to Chase Elliott's win in just a moment, but we begin with news from this morning concerning NASCAR chairman and CEO Brian France. France was arrested Sunday night in Sag Harbor, New York, on two charges, aggravated driving while intoxicated and a misdemeanor criminal possession of a controlled substance, oxycodone. France was arraigned this morning. He was released on his own recognizance. NASCAR said in a statement that they are aware of the incident and that they are treating it as a serious matter and are continuing to gather the facts and that Brian France will take an indefinite leave of absence. And for more on this now, we bring in our NASCAR on NBC reporter, Nate Ryan. Nate, how does this affect NASCAR's day-to-day operations? It shouldn't affect what fans see on the racetrack, Carolyn. Brian France, as the CEO and chairman of NASCAR, is the final authority on what happens in NASCAR, but he is more responsible for long-term vision and planning, and much less so the short-term. There is an executive suite of about five to six people who handle more of the day-to-day responsibilities that affect the on-track competition that fans see. Brian France has been candid that he doesn't go to as many races as prior CEOs of NASCAR. Uh, He attends about a dozen races annually, and that's because he trusts his management team to handle the day-to-day responsibilities involving competition. So there shouldn't be an effect on an impact on what fans see on the racetrack. But is there a long-term implication, Nate, for this? Yeah, well, we're we're getting word, uh, Carolyn, that with with this uh, news today with Brian France that he's taking an indefinite leave of absence from NASCAR as chairman and chief executive officer and that his uncle, uh, vice chairman and executive vice president of NASCAR, Jim France, has assumed the role of interim chairman and chief executive officer. So that's how it will affect NASCAR uh, in terms of the leadership structure. And there is... Uh, some precedent for when NASCAR has a leadership void like this in the in the past that involves Jim France when Bill France Jr then NASCAR chairman was battling cancer about 20 years ago and had to take a leave of absence. His brother, Jim France, stepped in and assumed some of his day-to-day responsibilities. So that's what we're hearing and seeing today from NASCAR with Brian France 
taking an indefinite leave of absence from his role of chairman and CEO. We have Jim France's uncle stepping into that role. All right, Nate, thank you. We are going to follow the story. We're going to update you with any developments as they occur on the news from this morning. But the headlines last night belong to Chase Elliott, winning the first Cup Series race of his career. Two by two, working their way around this racetrack. We're underway from the Glen. As the whole field stacks up, you see right here the 42 checks up. When that accident happened, they broke an oil cooler in the 22 car. Trouble, trouble right in front of me. Tornado in the sand. Keeps rolling, it's gonna stay on that path to keep him getting buried in the sand. Some early damage in a chain reaction accident on the racetrack. If they come to the garage area, they are out of the race. Todd Gordon did not know they were under the damage vehicle policy, and in essence, put themselves out of the race. I don't really know the policy and how it's supposed to work, but it's I'm trying to do my job to understand that. Just on your race, let him push himself till he makes a mistake. There's nothing else coming by three. Challenge for the lead, here comes Elliott to the inside. The crowd on their feet, they're cheering as Elliott takes the lead at the Glen. And look out, the gun got pulled off of the 11. There is a crazy tire now coming across pit road. We're also hearing that the nine of Chase Elliott had issue. Here's Chase right here in his stall. Woo, that's safe. Man. It's different for these crews, and it's definitely dangerous. Sorry about that, Nick. Keep laughing. Stay fueled. Guys checking on a problem for the 18 of Kyle Busch. When he came down pit road, they tried to put fuel in the car. Something went wrong with the fuel probe. We just gave this race away. We want to go ahead and make that clear. We did not get fuel in the car. That fuel probe broke or some bullshit. Hold your breath time at Watkins Glen. Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. Now they are closer together. Put the separation at two car lengths. Elliott, Truex, they've left the field. This race comes down to these two drivers. He just needs to do seven turns perfectly at Watkins Glen to grab his first career win. He goes wide. The turn one, the 78 coming up. Closing the game. Inside the guard, and he runs out of gas at the furthest place away from the start-finish line. I got my man Jimmy Jam coming to push. That's a pretty cool victory lap right there. There's Kyle Busch. Look at all the smiles. What does this moment mean for you two? I'm glad to have me. I wish my mom was here too. Uh, she hasn't missed many races. My mom, my grandma, and uh, some of my biggest supporters and biggest fans. So, looking forward to getting home and seeing them. And we're gonna have a hell of a night. I can assure you that. We will have plenty of reaction from a career day for Chase Elliott in just a moment. But I do want to read you a statement from Brian France that we just got a short time ago. He says, I apologize to our fans, our industry and my family for the impact of my actions last night. Effective immediately, I will be taking an indefinite leave of absence from my position to focus on my personal affairs. I want to bring Nate Ryan back in one more time to react to this statement, Nate. Obviously a very difficult day for the France family. What's your reaction to the latest from Brian France on what transpired last night? You know, it is a difficult day for the, this family. And of course they are the, the founding family of NASCAR. And, uh, you know, I think that 
what we're hearing there from Brian France. Uh, Carolyn, obviously, he's, he's stepping away. And you know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, I, I think he feels like he has the utmost confidence in his management team to handle the day-to-day -day responsibilities while he takes this indefinite leave of absence. All right, Nate, thank you. As we promised, much more from a very exciting weekend at Watkins Glen is still on tap. We have Landon Castle and Parker Kligerman who are going to join us right after this. We're just getting started on NASCAR America. Stay with us. Bill Elliott has taught Chase so many things growing up, and now Chase has an opportunity to teach Bill a little something. And I'm sure Chase is probably having so much fun running up front. And for the first time, Chase Elliott win in the Monster Energy Cup Series. Welcome back, everybody. Chase Elliott secured his spot in the playoffs with the first win of his career yesterday. He became the eighth driver to win a race this season, which now leaves just eight postseason spots up for grabs with only four races remaining. Whole lot of drivers getting in on points. Alex Bowman holding the final spot. But let's go back to the moment that Elliott stepped out of his car. Marty Snyder was there with our burnout interview. Chase, I got to know the emotions of those final few laps as the 78 was trying to catch you. Holy cow, what a, uh, what a thrill. Um, golly, I don't know what to say, just so thrilled, so emotional, so, uh, so much relief. You know, I was working on three years and hadn't won one, and I uh, came here with a great opportunity today and uh, was able to get it done. But just thank you, thanks all the fans. You guys are rowdy after that checkered flag. I hope all my buddies back home are ready to get rowdy tonight because it's going to be a good one. What did your dad say to you after the checkered flag, or what did he say to you during the race? Uh, well, he was really just spotting, you know, and, and doing kind of the normal normal spotter deal. Uh, and he was pretty encouraging those last couple laps, which was certainly helpful, and, and uh, was able to get it done. Were you worried about the 78 and the mistaken one? Were you thinking, oh, I've given it away? Yeah, I started to wheel hop, and I, I knocked it out of gear to, to not spin out. And uh, luckily had a big enough gap where, where he couldn't get me, but what a day. You mentioned these fans. They all stood up when you won that stage. They cheered so loud. I don't think there's any question you're going to be the most popular driver this year. That's the coolest damn thing I've ever seen. I just want you all to know that. And uh, very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And let's go get some more. And Parker Kligerman and Landon Castle join us now who were in the race on Sunday. When did you first get the sense of how big this win was? Well, I could see the uh, scoreboard you have down into turn one and then the scoreboard you have down in the interloop where I could see the nine car constantly in first place. And I thought, all right, he's going to get his first win. Wow. And how many times have we talked about how close he's been here at this very desk? And how many times have I sat at this desk and said, this is the week that Chase Elliott is going to win a race? And he finally got done at all places a road course. And I thought the one of the most impressive things is that it's a place where, you know, he really has been in a position a lot of times where he's gotten the win taken away or let it get away from him. And this is one of those times where you feel like he went up there and grabbed it and took hold of it and didn't let it go this time. Yeah, he definitely won in the right way. And we heard him talk about relief in his burnout interview. And I could, I feel like he has inherited some or, or put himself in some big shoes to fill. Let's not forget that he filled the 24 car after Jeff Gordon retired. And now he's carrying the number nine number and comparing... Uh, we're comparing him to his dad and for him to go three years without getting a win he's undoubtedly doubted himself 
uh, over the course of the last few years. So it's just like a monkey off his back, but he did it in style for he's, sure. He's been so self-critical, and he had a mantra that he told us about in our post-race coverage, pressure is a privilege. It was very much at the forefront of his, his mind that he wanted this anxiety to go away, and you mentioned on Victory Lap, now potentially these floodgates could open. And that's the thing. The reason I always felt like when he finally won a race that the floodgates would open was because one of the hardest things a race car driver is to convince yourself that you can win, right? It's a lot of times, it doesn't matter if you've won in a, a series previous that's lower than that series. When you move up, you got to prove to yourself that you can win. And how do you do that? By winning, by getting to the checkered flag, seeing it, that sort of thing. And I think, you know, you look at that mistake he made down to turn one. That's the kind of mistake you make when you are in your head a little bit, yeah, right? You, yeah. You're letting it get to you a little bit, that you have been so close, that sort of thing. But now that he's gotten past that, he's got the checkered flag, he's seen himself win, he's experienced it, I just believe this opens up the opportunity for Chase Elliott to now finally get past that mental barrier a little bit and just go out there and use the speed and the talent we've seen out of him to win a lot of races. Yeah, it's not just about being fast. Uh, he, he's been fast. We saw Martin Trix go through the same thing over the last few years where he had a bunch of second place finishes in that 78 car that was clearly the dominant car in the sport not just for the last two years but even three years ago it was a really fast car and they just couldn't get those wins once he got them he goes and wins a, a bunch of races in a championship so uh, Chase Elliott could very well do the same thing the support came just flying in immediately drivers NASCAR's fan base everybody offering support and Ryan Blaney who finished 12th on Sunday is a very close friend of his and this is what he offered on Instagram <laughs> waving on Chase Elliott so we can fly home and celebrate come on but it ain't that big of a deal <laughs> obviously in jest um, but just uh, such a fun moment there from his friend and I like this shirt that he's got on there that's was yep. a Chase Elliott shirt as yep. well so yep. he's obviously being a really good friend and supporter <laughs> by wearing his own friend's t-shirt well, he was patient enough to wait out the flight. And when the plane arrived in Dawsonville, Georgia, which is Chase Elliott's hometown, there was quite the reception. Boys, the winner! both young drivers in the sport you know what this moment means for him moving forward and for his career what do you think that moment was like Landon when he gets off the plane and there's so many fans who have shown yeah. up yeah well knowing Chase's personality I, I think that it was humbling and it, I know if it were me in his shoes it would be humbling for me to get off that plane and just see all those people and support you know he 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 said uh, uh, in an interview that he's landed in Dawsonville after the race plenty of times with just disappointment after the weekend um, after not winning and, and having these second place finishes. So going back to his relief, I think that as soon as he stepped out of that plane, you could just see it that it's just like, ah, these people love me. They love yeah. me. They really love me. They've supported it me was, this whole time. And, and he feels like he's done a good job. I think it's really cool. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where racing, you know, we spend a lot of time on the road. We're constantly, you know, away from home, away from family, away from friends all the time. And it's really a special moment when you can go out there and accomplish something like winning a race, your first race especially, and have the chance to go back and see your friends and family and celebrate with them. I mean, that just makes the moment all the more special. So I think he's really lucky and fortunate to be in that position and, and really understood that when he saw that crowd up 
out there, wow, people really care. This is a cool moment. They, they've been building up to this moment. So. Yeah, that was about 11 p.m. from what we can gather <laughs> yeah. at night. And I love the point that you bring up because there's probably so many moments where it's just him. He's kicking yep. himself. He's down. He's getting in the car. And that's a long, slow, lonely drive back to his home. And that was not the case. They don't always show up in crowds when you don't finish <laughs> or something. Or you <laughs> don't win. So, Nobody yeah. shows up for a no. top 25 No one you? showed up. For, just for, imagine, you know, you looked at his phone and he probably had 100 oh, more yeah. than that text messages and he reflects on the amount of the times that he's flown home and just had no messages you know no good job or next time or whatever just you know so that, that was definitely a humbling and special moment for him it was not just Dawsonville by the way fans around the country were celebrating a huge moment for Chase Elliott and Hendrick Motorsports even went out on Twitter and asked fans to send their videos Probably a, a lifelong Chase Elliott fan that knows that that one last thing that could cost him his first win. That's the threat. No yeah, mistakes. The threat. <laughs> but even his dad, Bill, after the race, told us, "I was just waiting to see what's yeah, going to happen to us now. What's going to happen sky. to us yeah. now?" And we were all sitting there watching the race, yeah. just on our television, clinging to it, just waiting. Is it going to happen? And it finally was. It was just incredible. How moment. awesome is it that we have this platform, social media, on the internet, that that people can just share their experiences and their in their passion for the sport I mean it just shows how personal these race fans uh, our fan base is towards their drivers. It's, it's truly amazing. And I wonder, yes. we got a tweet last night as well um, from somebody that asked if this win in particular was going to be able to bring the fan base together. That's been a narrative at points in this season, old guard versus new fans. Chase Elliott is one of those young drivers that's been tagged as the next generation. Do you think that this win in particular could signify some kind of merging? Here's the tweet right now from well, Rodney Rodriguez. Oh, uh, that's a good tweet. Possibly You know, I don't know if it brings merging, but it's cool to see the sport rally around a win, sure. right? And I think you got that sense with the crowd cheering when he won that stage and then the crowd cheering at the end. And I remember getting out of the car and thinking, like, wow, this is really impactful because you could just hear the crowd even after all the engines stopped and the race had died down. He was doing his interview. They kept cheering. And it just had that atmosphere and feeling. And I think that's the thing more so than anything else is that the sport rallied around this win and felt like it's a cool thing. But I don't know if it merges those old and new fans in a lot of ways because some, you know, I like that little bit of competition of old versus young yeah. and that sort of thing. I think it's a cool storyline we've had all year. And I think this just was a popular win amongst everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the one I think you we we at, would have asked for you know yeah, out of sure. we've teased uh, these the old drivers have had their jokes at the young drivers all year <laughs> of the average age and I can't tell you how many highlights we've seen of just these old guys teasing on the young guys um, for winning so many races but um, Chase is definitely the one you would have ordered up yeah what do you think has been the last win as popular as this 
I mean, it's a tough question. I'm sorry to put you guys on the spot, yeah. but no, it feels when Clint Boyer won, for example, this season, that was such a great moment yeah. because everybody was rooting for him and he's such a lovable character. This, to me, felt a little bit bigger. Well, you know what it felt like is Jeff Gordon at Martinsville mm, a couple years ago. Vote. And oh, yeah. I yeah. feel like, you know, it's yeah. funny he replaced him in that 24 card and because that, to me, yeah. was a, a seminal moment for the sport to see him win at Martinsville, get a chance at a championship in his final year, that sort of thing. Yeah. And you could see the crowd rally around it. And it was a, the sun had set. It was basically dark when he was in victory lane. It was just such a cool moment. Yeah, and Jeff's actual emotion in that, I think that's yeah. what made it such a good win. It wasn't just the win. It was Jeff getting out of the car and screaming, we're going to Homestead. <laughs> like, it, it was, it was, he made the, the emotion there. And I think, you know, seeing uh, Alan Gustafson's emotion and Chase's emotion um, and his dad being there, that, that you know, doing the burnout um, interviews really really captures that moment for us. Yeah, we are going to talk about Chase's dad, Bill. We're going to hear from Alan Gustafson coming up in the show. We've got a lot more on tap for you. And we're also going to hear how our announcers called the exhilarating final laps from the Glen. Our analysts here are going to tell you what made the difference for Chase Elliott down the stretch. Stay with us. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Watkins Glen is a must-watch race for a lot of reasons. One of them is the race call that our team employs. Mike Bagley of Sirius XM and MRN handled the S's. We had Dale Jr. calling the action at the inner loop and carousel. He said he was screaming, but he just couldn't help it. Jeff Burton was overlooking turn six. And Rick Allen and Steve Letarte were in the booth as per usual. Here's how they all handled the frenetic final moments yesterday. Hold your breath time at Watkins Glen. Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. Now they are closer together. Put the separation at two car lengths. Elliott, Truex, they've left the field. This race comes down to these two drivers right now. Headed up the back straightaway. Truex is definitely putting the pressure on in turns one and up through the S's, but this is Chase Elliott's end of the racetrack. Look at Truex, makes a mistake right there and misses the exit of the inner loop. That is it. Right there, if Chase Elliott could just put together a lap and a half, he is going to win this race. Coming through the carousel to the corner exit, Chase is going to look in the mirror and see the distance to the 78. What a great feeling. That's why we love racing, Junior. Two guys going at it, forcing Truex Junior into a mistake. You're right. Now the spotter's got to be telling him, hey, you got five car wings. But he cannot take it too easy. You cannot relax. You still have to attack. But you have some room to back down just a little bit so you don't make a mistake. And coming out onto the front right, stretch. Right the white flag back. in the air. One lap to go. Presented by Credit One Bank. Seven turns. He just needs to do seven turns perfectly at Watkins Glen to grab his first career win. He goes wide. Through turn one. The 78 coming up. Closing the game. Fans jumping up and down. Yelling, screaming. for the final time. Almost giving up the lead in turn one, but he's now got another comfortable lead as he breaks into the inner loop. Martrix charges hard, trying to gain that ground back. No mistakes by either driver here, but Chase Elliott, a cleaner corner. Now it's about four curlings there through the carousel. Chase Elliott almost home free. Truex wide in the corner. He looks to be in great shape, but the mistake that he made in one again cannot be replicated here in turn six. Truex is out of fuel. Truex is out. Now Chase can just cruise the victory lane. 
spotter lets him know. He's out of fuel. Chase Elliott comes out of turn number seven. The crowd roars. They're going to see for the first time Chase Elliott win in the Monster Energy Cup Series. It was so fun to listen to in the moment, and I know that you guys had your hands full at the time, so it was kind of why, your first why do I opportunity. Have right now? Yeah. Yeah, I got chills off of that. Well, really, your first <laughs> opportunity to see it. I am telling you, when I was watching that unfold, I felt like Chase Elliott was being stalked by an apex predator in Martin Truex Jr. It was like the little water buffalo <laughs> trying to cross the other side of the stream, and there's like a huge crocodile going to come up and slam. That's how, that's how it felt, and that's I think, how the fans felt. Well, I think we have different opinions about the nine car then, apparently. I, I don't think of him as as a wounded gazelle being attacked <laughs> on the Serengeti. I think of him more as being one of the powerhouse teams that just hasn't earned a win. But yes, he was holding off one of the best in the business, and we know one of the best on road courses right now, Martin yep. Tricks Jr., and that was an just incredible drive. And that, that whole last lap with the call by our whole team there just made that whole feeling and the crowd cheering. I just love that whole moment. That was awesome. Yeah, if you're Chase Elliott, how could you have had a better first win? I mean, he didn't steal one from a super speedway. He didn't um, just have a dominant car in an intermediate track we didn't hear the words clean air at the in the victory lane interview on a late race restart I mean he, he like you said he beat the best in the business he ran door to door with Kyle Busch at Watkins Glen um, earlier in the race he had the speed this is going to do so much for his confidence moving forward so much more than any other track that he could have won at and definitely well I just want to say oh, the driver makes a huge difference yes there is that's what you're going into I mean the, the thing about road courses is you know for whatever reason maybe because aero is as important and there's other factors a driver can just make a lot of difference because there's so many variables and so that's a place as you saw you can make a mistake leading the race on the last lap as he did because it's that hard it's that difficult what we're doing there at that road course so that's definitely a place as you said that builds this confidence because he made that difference that that nine team undoubtedly brought a race winning car to the racetrack this weekend but there's there's no doubt in Chase's mind right now sitting at home thinking I drove that car to a victory yep right exactly. you can you you can you can 80% the best car at an intermediate track to a victory if you're starting up front up and get clean air and run away from the field. But you just can't fake it at a place like Watkins Glen. So it, it, moving forward, it's just, this is going to do so much for him going into the playoffs. Definitely not in a battle like that. Yes. <laughs> you cannot yeah, fake not that. Against, well, not against a, a water buffalo, for sure. <laughs> no, definitely not. No disrespect. He earned it. But for a driver, too, that's so self-critical, I mean, he must have just slept like a baby last night. Maybe yes. a little hungover Maybe today. Maybe not last night. He may be a little hungover today, but no doubt tonight. that he yeah, earned that he win. Will. Dale Earnhardt Jr., could not help but he screamed when Martin Jokes Jr. ran out of fuel. He just had to. I love to. that. And he posted something great on Instagram as well after the race, which is essentially just shows you how Chase Elliott has come so far. Congrats on getting win number one. Amazing to watch you evolve into the person and the driver that you are today. And, of course, that's a little Chase Elliott there in the lap of his father, Dale Sr., and then Jr., congratulating Chase. Um, I wonder, too, Landon, and you've been in this position before, having your father at the racetrack. Bill Elliott's influence, what do you think that was for such a special day, being up there, spotting for him? Did that give him something extra in your view? I mean, I think that he's obviously comfortable enough to have his dad on the radio. Some people aren't comfortable with that. I've had my dad spot for me in the Cup Series. He, he spotted for me when I was a teenager in late model racing, but he actually spotted for me very early on in my Cup, Cup Series career, and it was because I was comfortable hearing his voice. I think it's it's very special to see Bill up um, talking to Chase on the radio. You know, you see with the picture that Dale posted, 
this is a family business for a long time. Chase isn't just uh, a young driver filling his dad's shoes. He's been in the sport for a long time. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows this family. So it, it just adds to that special touch to it all. But uh, for, for a driver who's worked with my dad before, uh, the way Chase did with Bill, I, I think it is comforting to hear your dad's voice on the radio. Parker, what about the parallels between the way that his dad's career evolved at the beginning and how he was able to pull this off today. You have two first wins on a road course. And, oh, by the way, both of these men had eight runner-up finishes before they got their first cup win. Mind-blowing. This part gets me every time. As we saw him finish second so many times, I kept paying attention to this number eight. And I thought, if he really finishes second eight times and then goes on to win, that would be incredible. What about winning at a road course just like his dad? I was like, this is amazing. This is built or designed in the stars, for all we know. I mean, this is one of those things that you just can't write. You can't script this. If you did, they'd be like, ah, what a cheesy movie. But it's not scripted. This is real life. So I just can't believe the, how those numbers line up between the two of them and knowing the respect he has for his dad, how much you know his dad's been a part of his career, obviously being on the radio with him at a place that wouldn't happen anywhere else. That's only at a road course where you have multiple spotters. That's the other funny part. So I just think that's an incredible story that you just couldn't possibly script. Yeah. All the pieces falling into place. <laughs> exactly. It gives us a lot to talk about, that's for sure. Yeah. No, and there's plenty more to talk about on the show because there was madness. I don't know how much of this you guys caught on Pit Road. I saw a bit of this, yeah. yes. Runaway tires, an air gun hose turned a whip, a fueling fail, a tumbling crew members. Did we mention that this all happened during one single pit stop? You do not want to miss this. Stay with us. Indy 500 champ Will Power wants a Pocono 3 peat, but can he keep points leader Scott Dixon in his rearview mirror? That's the question. Verizon IndyCar Series racing from Pocono Sunday, August 19th, right here on NBCSN. So there were several pivotal moments in Sunday's race at Watkins Glen, but certainly one of them, the pit stops by several teams on lap 55. And for a handful of the leaders, it was nothing short of pit road madness. The 32 car, I believe, has blown the motor. He stopped here in the interloop. It's going to bring out a yellow. Denny Hamlin has been loose on the left-handers, tight in the right, so they're going to make a wedge adjustment, give him four Goodyear tires and Sunoco fuel. And look out. The gun got pulled off of the 11. There is a crazy tire now coming across pit road. There's equipment everywhere. Yeah, There's equipment. I see at least a gas. One gas can that looks broken. Oh. The 11 team, we saw the the tire changer looks like the gun the hose got caught underneath the car when he was pulling away oh, See now he gets run over there so we talked about doing pit stops backwards the tire gets that guy right there oh my goodness see what watch see brad's this. trying to leave because he's taking fuel only so he's trying to get out of there the jack man drops the drag but the tire goes away and the gun gets pulled out of his hand we're also hearing that the nine of chase elliott had issue here's chase right here in his stall Woo! That's safe. safe. Man. It's checking on a problem for the 18 of Kyle Busch. When he came down pit road, they tried to put fuel in the car. Something went wrong with the fuel probe. It looks like now they're looking at a seal on the plug that goes into the fueling device. And unfortunately, the fuel that was supposed to go in didn't get into the 18 car. Instead, they only got a few gallons in. Disgusted, crew chief Adam Stevens came across the radio and said, well, we've lost this race either way. We can come in and take our fuel now, or we can come in later, but we've given it away. Oh, that is so, so frustrating. Two years in a row here, we had pit road miscues, and 
I guess it's just called bad luck, but um, you know, it's kind of frustrating when you know you come here every year with a vengeance to go out here and win this race and you're the fastest car and you're arguably the fastest car, arguably the fastest guy and not able to perform. So, um, or execute, I should say, uh, performance was awesome. So just a quick update for you as it relates to the 18 team and that report from Dave Burns on the issues that they had. After the race, Adam Stevens, the crew chief, said that either the fuel probe broke or the gas man didn't get it lined up and somehow got fuel on the vent. Either way, basically what he said was, quoting him here, you can't finish the race with eight gallons of fuel when you need a full tank. So trying to figure out where exactly things went wrong there. But aside from that, I want you guys to both assess Kyle Bush's drive back through the field when you have a catastrophic incident on pit road like they did. It's incredible. It's amazing. I actually saw him back there with us and then saw him kind of drive through and I, I tried to follow him. That didn't work very well at all. And I, I got... Did your spotter tell you try to follow the agent? Yeah, go yeah, with him. Go with him. They always say they that. Do, yeah. Just go with him. He'll be fine. And, I, you know, I kind of leveled out at about 25th, 24th, 23rd, somewhere around there. And he kept going. And that was a little, you know, it was a little annoying. But, uh, no, he, he obviously had a very fast car and it's incredible for him to drive through the field like that. I mean, that's so hard. A place is very hard to pass. One, it's, it's very fast of a racetrack. There's very about two passing zones. And to drive through the field on a long green flag run, the longest green flag run we had all day, so you're not even sure what your car will do on that long of a run. I mean, that's very impressive. It just shows the speed. As he said, they had the fastest car. Yeah. They just did not execute. So Kyle restarted in 31st. And you talk about how the passing zones. Uh, the passing zones are into these heavy braking areas. So you can see over the course of really 30 laps, you know, he picks up these... 27 spots and he passed most of them in the first 20 laps of this run up to the point that he got to 10th and 5th there by lap 80. But the thing that I see that is so impressive about it is you're passing that many cars in that short amount of time. You're hard on your equipment. You're hard on those brakes. I could feel I could go three or four laps hard on my brakes, and then I got my crew chief on the radio going, hey, we see a lot of rotor glowing. I could feel my brake pedal getting long and squishy, and the, the, the fluid is getting hot. So for Kyle to make those aggressive moves lap after lap after lap and then still come out the other end, and be one of the fastest cars to run third just really shows that he probably did have the fastest car in the field and they did give it away. And no, definitely. That's impressive. Also, too, just quickly, as you look towards the playoff, for me, for me, it also underscored just how valuable pit crews are. You know, we expect them yep. to just be good. We give them no credit when they do everything yeah. right. But, you know, we're heading into the playoffs, and these are decisions and incidents that have major consequences. And just remember, we saw that pit road madness. This is the only place that we pit from the right side, so it's opposite right. of what we normally do. And then two, it was the first time that we've seen this with the reduced man that we had taken away earlier this year. So I think a lot of pit crews, you know, when the pressure was on and it was the money stop and they had to find the speed, there was mistakes that were made because this, you know, this is really the first time they were experiencing this. Yeah, I think we saw uh, a lot of teams made a strategic decision. A lot of pit crews made a strategic decision to pit the right side of the car first, then pit, go around the car to pit the left side, where on most racetracks, they jump around to the outside, uh, pit the outside, and then come around and pit the inside. So that's where these issues came. You can see, well, the 18 pitting the, the left side of the car first, but a lot of pit crews made this conscious decision to pit the inside of the car first, which created these chore choreography issues, I believe. Yeah, definitely. And you see right here what's happening. So this is all kind of backwards for a picture, right? It's just an awkward. So it's different. 
that sort of thing. Now, what happened to them with the fueling, the other thing that's interesting is that that was the run at which we felt like everyone was really tight on fuel. So Adam Stevens knew if they didn't have that thing completely full, then they were probably not going to make it to the end of the race. So they had to come back in and refuel. And I think a lot of teams, when they looked at that run, knew that it was very tight on fuel as we saw the 78 running out just at the end of the race on the, the last nine lap. Nine running out on, nine the car running out on, this, yeah. on this cool down lap. It was really tight. So they, they had to get every drop of fuel in that car and obviously had an issue. You have all the if, ands, or buts, but I mean, yeah. gosh, if, that, if there would have been a, a caution there at the very end, the 18 would have been the only guy with enough fuel left it's, because he pitted it. That's such a great point. Him and myself, I pitted with him on a second exactly. time around. So yeah. that would have been great. You know what? We're done with you for today. Right. Yeah, we're done with you. But but we do have uh, plenty more of you guys and NASCAR America throughout the week. Tomorrow, our Tuesday tradition continues with Scandal Watkins Glen. That includes a special interview with Chase Elliott. Hall of Famer Ray Everham will also join tomorrow's show. We're going to discuss his new show, Glory Road, and also he'll weigh in on Chase Elliott. Wednesdays with Dale Jr. features Eric Almarola as the guest for the entire hour. That'll be a lot of fun. And then on Thursday, we'll be in Detroit as Ford unveils its new Mustang for the 2019 Cup season. So make sure you're with us for that. We'll also get you ready for another road course as Xfinity heads to mid-Ohio. And then on Friday, to wrap things up, Cup qualifying from Michigan at 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by NASCAR America from the Peacock Pit Box at Michigan. We'll be joined by several drivers for that, including Michigan native Brad Kozlowski. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. Next season, we will be part of IMSA's 50th anniversary. Here's where you can find the 2019 WeatherTech Sports Car Championship across the networks of NBC. It starts January 26th and 27th right here on NBCSN with the Rolex 24 at Daytona. And NBC will have three races, including the season-ending Petit Le Mans at Road Atlanta. So exciting stuff heading your way. Meanwhile, back to Sunday for one member of Chase Elliott's crew. Sunday was kind of a day of hard knocks, but as the old saying goes, all is well that ends well. So let's hear from that crew member now in our pit crew review. In his 99th start, Chase Elliott is going to victory lane. My name is Nick O'Dell. I'm the front tire changer for the Sun Energy Chevrolet Camaro. Uh, today was an awesome day. The team is celebrating down here. It's turned into a moss pit down here. We did have a little bit of a close call there on our final pit stop. Here's Chase right here in his stall. Woo! That's safe. safe. Man. Sorry about that, Nick. He's laughing. Uh, Chase and I actually had a conversation before the race. We knew it was going to be close, so we get in trouble for removing pit equipment. We don't get in trouble for removing people, and that's kind of what we did. About that time, you listened. I told you to win against the pit box. <laughs> I'm okay. Landed on my butt, but got up on my two feet and won the race, so. Great day. The crew members out on pit road, hugs and high fives all the way around. Sunday, a day that Nick O'Dell and everybody on the nine team won't soon forget. Here's a look at the team roster, led, of course, by crew chief Alan Gustafson. This was also a home win for Eddie DeHaunt, Chase Elliott's spotter. He is a New York native, hailing from Long Island, and has also been a spotter for Jeff Gordon and Kyle Busch. So a big day for the whole team. And as the nine team celebrated in upstate New York, another party just getting underway in Dawsonville, Georgia. This is the home of the Elliott family. This is the Dawsonville pool room. 
cranking up the legendary Cyrene. And I saw this on Twitter and they had over like 5,000 likes or something as of last <laughs> night. So I mean, it, it was yeah. a very popular Cyrene. This is not a siren. This is oh, a Cyrene. Cyrene. Yeah, a okay. Cyrene. Yes, yes, and they Georgia. let her rip to celebrate <laughs> on Bill Elliott Street. I'm sure that was just the beginning of all kinds of debauchery that we can't report here on NASCAR America at the pool room. But such a big day for Dawsonville and for the Elliott family and also for Hendrick Motorsports because this win marked the 250th of the organization's career and of all places at Watkins Glen, which they've struggled as an organization there over the last couple of years. Last win there, 2001. And of course, we know it happens with Chase Elliott on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it was written in the stars, as we yeah. said earlier. But no, I think it's, it's you know, we've seen this over the last couple of weeks that there's just a hint that things are turning around for Hendrick Motorsports in a lot of ways. And I don't know if it's showed up exactly in the results, but there's been hints in qualifying performances or at times, especially led by the nine car of this team, just finding a little bit more, that little bit of speed. And you get that sense that like we saw the lull out of them a couple of years ago where they were they were bad until the summer and then we got to the fall and they were all right. I'm starting to see those signs that things are turning around a little bit. Do you get the same sense, then? Well, our very own Dale Jarrett broke the news uh, that they've been running a new chassis at Hendrick Motorsports for a couple of weeks, and that could be maybe where some speed is coming from. You know, we we've, we've give a lot of credit to Chase and his drive, but Hendrick Motorsports absolutely had to have brought a fast race car to Watkins Glen, and we'll see if that, that speed carries to the other racetracks uh, like Michigan this weekend where speed and grip and horsepower is definitely going to show up. And I think it's easy for fans to be sitting here being like, oh, of course you guys are saying that now because Motorsports won the race and Chase Elliott won the race. But I, th I think you have to look further than that and look at you know William Byron finishing the top yep. 10. We saw Alex Bowman. He didn't have a great qualifying, but he was able to race himself back in the top 15. Jimmy Johnson was really fast the whole weekend until he had his issue. So I think we saw a lot of performance out of this race team overall, and it's just sort of like what we saw. At, you see them all here celebrating together. That was a nice moment, of yeah, course. Yeah, it was. But I think this is what we started to see see out of them and now going to a place like Watkins Glen, which I'm going to say this, we've talked about how much the driver matters at Watkins Glen, but the thing is compared to a place like Sonoma, it's the car does matter there as well. There's yeah. aero that is involved. It's such a fast road course that there's things that you will apply later at on ovals. If, if you have the speed on ovals, that's going to show up at Watkins Glen, Watkins Glen. And so I think that's why when I see the speed they brought there, this past weekend, I get a little bit of confidence about their future because of that reason. That they're, these Some of the things that make you fast there apply in the ovals as well. Yeah, I 100% I, I agree, and I think the, mo the best example of that is the dominance of Furniture Row and JGR at every racetrack over the course of the past couple of years, including Watkins Glen, a place where, like you said, has to have aero and speed and horsepower. You know, But it's definitely a breakthrough win for Hendrick Motorsports, um, not just at Watkins Glen with their lack of top 10 finishes over the past few years, but a 37-race winless streak for a four-car organization. You know, that 250th win flag has been riding <laughs> around in that hauler for over a year. Wow. So th that's a big win for Hendrick Motorsports, and, and you, with rolling out a new chassis, uh, a, a great windfall for them. And we know Rick Hendrick to be a great leader, a very straightforward man. He told Nate Ryan on the NASCAR and NBC podcast, we got a late start, you know? And so I wonder how much of this is all about timing because there are four regular races remaining in the regular season before the playoffs, and there's a whole stretch of playoffs what sense do you get that this is this is forward progress it, and that we shouldn't count anybody out? Well, it's crazy that just a couple weeks ago we were talking about the fact that they were on the bubble, right? Yeah, you had really Jimmy Johnson, you had Chase, you had yeah. Alex Bowman right there, and like it would be disastrous for this organization to miss the playoffs of any car, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the top organization in a lot of ways in NASCAR for many years now. So 
I think that's incredible that we now see them in a position where they're relatively safe. Alex Bowman's safe. Jimmy Johnson's obviously safe. Now Chase gave himself in. I mean, this is incredible to see this team kind of rally around and have the, these three cars really find themselves in the playoffs right now and that, therefore, be solidified when just a couple weeks ago we were talking about, oh, my gosh, will they make it or not? Yeah, well said. Uh, we have to mention something to you guys at home. Parker uh, had himself uh, winning the race on Sunday yeah, in his, his fantasy, fantasy lineup. Team. Missed that by a little bit. I, 22 spots. Uh, how much did that help? I'm not so sure. Congratulations. Nope. I mean, you did great. We're going to check in <laughs> on the broadcasters in our NASCAR Fantasy Live League right after this. All right, so you thought Sunday was good. You better hold on because the drive for the playoffs coming to NASCAR's fastest track. That's the Monster Energy Cup Series at Michigan next Sunday, 2.30 Eastern. That one's right here on NBCSN. So if you had Chase Elliott on your NASCAR America Fantasy League team, you made the right call. As for the NASCAR on NBC crew, here's how they look after Sunday's race at Watkins Glen. We have a new leader, people. Marty Snyder moving Whoa. ahead of Lee Diffie by 20 points. Nate Ryan, Jeff Burton, and Dan Beaver from Roto World complete our top five. The Beave. Getting in there. He's got great how advice all the time. He doesn't even know how to work fantasy. I know why I'm not on there because I put you in my garage. I, I pick you to win races. <laughs> I, I, I have the same, I made I the same choices. I didn't pick Chase Elliott. And just for the record, Chase, I've been putting you in my fantasy lineup like every single yeah. week except this yeah. week. So yeah. it, that's how it goes. I've been putting Penske guys in. I'm, I'm done with the Penske okay, train. We, yeah, we didn't yep. address Penske. We'll probably mention them on tomorrow's show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by the way, after the race um, on our post-race show that we do, Victory Lap, hashtag Victory Lap, we always have Vans submit questions and they use that hashtag and we always get great stuff and there's a few that we wanted to bring up first question here um was from philip which driver do you think will notch his first career cup win next Ooh. can i go first Ugh. sure suarez ah, yeah i, 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 say, <laughs> I love daniel suarez you guys yes. can have That's the same what I answer it's not a yeah. knockout right. format i okay. don't know i just felt like Who's i wanted to say one? first second Ooh, that's a tougher one um William Byron. I was going to say William Byron. William <laughs> Byron. Right. I, want, I want to see but William Byron win. Daniel Suarez. Suarez seems a like a pretty, a pretty solid choice considering some of the momentum that we've seen, right, Landon? Yeah, absolutely. He's got the speed. He's in the right equipment. Um, you know, I love his personality. I, I think he's got great mentors <laughs> at JGR. He's, he's, I, I, I pick on him on social media all the time, see him at the racetrack. I think he's a great driver. He says everything right, too. He's got such a great attitude, yep, which yep, we love. Yep. Okay, um, next question. What was louder, Jimmy Johnson going back to push Chase Elliott home or Chase Elliott winning the race? <laughs> I got to say, that was a cool moment on television to watch Jimmy Johnson. Um, I almost ruined it, though. <laughs> I was the last Have you car. heard this, Landon? I was the last car coming up to Chase. I knew he was out of fuel. I said, does he need a push? And at that same time, I saw the 48 backing up where he was stopped to do it. I thought, you know what? I'm going to let this one ride for a second. So I almost ruined the whole great moment. What was louder? Is Dale Jr. calling the carousel in the final lap? <laughs> My favorite thing was when he said on Twitter, I know I'm yelling. I can't, I can't help it. Yeah, yes. I can't help it. That's Parker, awesome, that would have been amazing if you would have pushed him it uh, to victory lane. It would have ruined everything. Good of Lord. Okay. Well, that's how I do it. Yeah. No, no, you don't. All right. That's all for NASCAR America. For all your news, always log on to NBCSports.com. We are back tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern. Scan all Watkins Glen, same time, same place. We'll see you there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 